Welcome to the 24-Minute Bible Podcast featuring Pastor Mark Miner, where we will journey together to help you grasp how the Bible fits together to provide a coherent, understandable, and historical book. The purpose of this podcast is not to convince, but to help you understand. Not to defend, but to connect the dots of this most amazing book. Not to debate, but to discover the plan of the Bible. There is a plan. If you enjoy what you hear today, please leave us a review. It really does help us. And now, here's Pastor Mark. Welcome to today's episode, episode 15, uh, as we look uh, this week at the prophets of the Old Testament. You know, as I sit here and write and record today's uh, podcast, this episode, uh, there's a lot of political turmoil in the United States. And uh, uh, if I could just say a few words about politics, particularly politics in the Bible. A few years, I jumped into the political scene. I uh, ran for the state senate uh, in uh, my area. I care about our state. I care about our citizens. And uh, so uh, as a pastor, I announced my candidacy. I began to raise money. I did interviews with television, radio, and newspaper. And what was interesting to me is the ones who discouraged me from getting involved in politics it was predominantly those that uh, were Christians, those involved in the church. And, and the refrain I heard most often from them was, Mark, don't get involved in politics. Good people don't get involved in politics. I thought about that, and you know, I can't disagree more with that statement. Good people have to get involved in politics because if we don't, there won't be anybody left except those that we don't want involved in politics, hence where we may be at currently in our political state. Nonetheless, <clears throat> excuse me, as I talk about politics for just a moment, politics saturates the Bible. It's not a dirty word. And you and I do need to, be, to get involved in politics. Somebody's going to be sitting in those chairs and making decisions. So politics is something that we need to engage in. For example, John the Baptist, uh, it cost him dearly. It cost him his life, but he spoke truth to a wicked and depraved king. And uh, that was politics. Jesus, his whole trial as we approach the crucifixion scene, ultimately with Pilate, was all about politics. The Apostle Paul, God even told the Apostle Paul that he would stand before governors and kings as a testimony to them and to the Gentiles. So God encouraged Paul to get involved, in a sense, in politics. What I'm saying is simply this. Christianity, our faith, if you're a believer in Jesus, and you're listening to this uh, podcast right now, Christianity is a contact sport. We have to engage. Uh, the days that we live in today are not much different than the days that we're going to be talking about. The times, the days of the prophets. And their lessons, these 17 books that we're going to cover in today's episode, uh, they apply as much to us today as they did uh, 2,000 plus years ago. I just encourage you for a moment as you're listening, or perhaps after you're done listening to, to this podcast, to take a few moments and open up your Bible, look, turn to the front, the concordance there, or the, the, uh, all the listing of the books, and look at the 17 books of prophecy. We're going to be talking about the five major prophets, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel, and Daniel. And then we're going to be talking about the 12 minor prophets. And the only difference between the major and the minor prophets is the length of the books. Isaiah, for example, is 66 chapters. 
It's a long book, whereas some of the minor prophets might be only one or two or three chapters. It doesn't negate their message. It just simply they are classified about according to the amount uh, that they wrote or the amount of prophesies, uh, prophecies that are recorded in the Bible. Now, without a doubt, uh, these books can sometimes be confusing. Uh, perhaps they might be even some of the smaller, the minor prophets might be even the least read books in the Bible. But that doesn't make them any less important. In your travels, I'm sure you've been going down an interstate somewhere, and you see roadside signs. For example, uh, you might have seen Lambert's Restaurant in Sykeston, Missouri, but you may have seen the sign in Tennessee or Kentucky or some other state. Or perhaps you're heading out west to South Dakota, and you see for hundreds of miles, it seems like, signs advertising and inviting you to come to Wall Drugs. Uh, <clears throat> or perhaps you've gone to Florida, as, as I have many times, and for hundreds of miles you see signs inviting you to come to Ron John's Surf Shop. Uh, they're in all sorts of odd places, and they're a long way off, and, and you wonder, why in the world would you advertise so far away? It, it may seem odd and, until you understand that uh, the purpose of those signs is not so much what they say, but what is notable is simply that they are there. Those signs are there to invite us, confront us, remind us, direct us. And that's really the premise of the 17 books of prophecy. Now, there are some weird things in some of the books of prophecy that we read in the Bible, for at least weird to us. For example, Hosea is commanded by God to, to marry a prostitute by the name of Gomer. Uh, then there's the book of Jonah, and of course we all know about Jonah, but Jonah is supposed to go and preach to the number one enemy of Israel, the hated Assyrians who, who live in the city of Nineveh. We all know the story. He goes his own way, and of course he becomes human sushi as he's thrown overboard to the Mediterranean Sea to uh, be swallowed by a great fish, probably a, a whale. And finally he ends up going to this city, and one of the greatest revivals in the entire Bible, in fact the history of the world, takes place because of Jonah. Then there's a book of Ezekiel, and Ezekiel is told something very odd. He's told to sleep on one side for 390 days on his left side, and then God tells Ezekiel for 40 days to sleep on his right side. Now, what's up with that? Well, in fact, as we look at the Old Testament prophets, they are living pictures. It's dramatic, and they are acted out uh, before the eyes of the people God loves. He's, he's trying to make an impression. It's sort of a last-ditch last effort for so many of these civilizations, uh, and he's trying to get their attention. So as we read through these 17, or at least as we talk in this episode about these 17 books of prophecy, understand that God is using them to make a statement then, and he's using them to make a statement to us today as well. Now, of course, we're not going to go through all 17 books. The purpose of the 24-Minute Bible Podcast is not to teach you in depth, but simply to help you to insert the books and put the story of God's Word together. And so today we're going to be looking at the major prophets, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel, and Daniel, those first five books. And then we're going to be looking at all the minor prophets, Hosea, all the way through the book of Malachi. Now, why are these Old Testament prophets important, or why should, why should we study them? In fact, what do we hope to gain by our study of them today? Well, Lesson number one, or point number one, is simply this, that most of the Old Testament prophets are more or less in chronological order. 
Now, that's an approximate statement, but as you're reading through, we, we start with Hosea. We go to the last book, in the Minor Prophets anyway, of Malachi, written about 400 years before Christ. Hosea, written seven, 800 years B.C. And so they are more or less in chronological order as we read through the Old Testament prophets. Secondly, though, uh, it's good to understand that this was the Jewish Bible. This was the Old Covenant and it was what the Jews read. It was what Jesus read. In fact, the third statement is that the prophets are, in many ways, fulfilled prophecies uh, that we read in the New Testament. There are concepts and verses that we read about in the New Testament and from these 17 different prophets. In fact, 47 times in the Gospels alone are comments or quotes from these prophets, the 17 major and minor prophets, and often used, in fact, by Jesus himself. So they are important. They for, form a foundation for us. So uh, today what we're going to do is look at uh, three different things. Uh, we're going to talk about the time and the context of the prophets because that's really important. We'll spend the majority of the time there. Secondly, we'll talk about a word to all nations. And then thirdly, we're going to talk about laying a foundation for the coming of the Messiah, for that is indeed one of the main premises of uh, the old and uh, the the prophets, the seventeen prophets that we talk about. So uh, let's uh, jump into episode fifteen and let's talk a little bit about the time and the context of the prophets. If you've been with me for all fifteen episodes now, uh, you'll know that we started in Genesis, and I suggested to you that the Bible starts out as an hourglass. It's a huge. It deals with the world. It's that big fat part, and then it narrows down in that center to simply talking about one. A stream of sand, if you will, and that's the children of Abraham. That's the nation of Israel. And so from Genesis all the way to uh, <clears throat> what we did last week, which is 2 Chronicles, we've been looking at the historical books of the Bible, and they are basically in chronological order. Today, we're going to be pulling out the prophets, so we're going to step back just a minute from the historical and try to insert these different books in their proper place and time. Next week, uh, we'll be looking at Ezra, Nehemiah, and Esther as we talk about returning from Persia, a very important part of laying the foundation for the New Testament that we'll be getting into soon. But right now, I just want to help you to insert these books of prophecy, both the major and minor ones, into uh, the history and into the context of what's going on. You might think, if you will, uh, of, of, the, of these books and the Old Testament uh, minor prophets and major prophets. Think, of a think in terms of a file cabinet. Perhaps a lawyer might have a file cabinet. And in that cabinet, he pulls out the drawers, and there's all these different file holders or binders. And each one represents a different case. There's different people, different situations, uh, different stories, different dates and times, different applications. One file folder might hold uh, a desire for that lawyer to create a will. Another one of the file folders might be papers concerning a divorce. Another one might be for a deed for the purchase of land or property. And still another, perhaps, of a client who's been accused of a crime, such as a theft. Each case is different. And each folder and the groups represented in that folder and all the circumstances are separate and unique in their own sense. Well, that's the case with the 17 books of prophecy in the Old Testament. 
They are all unique and they're speaking to different people at different times and different circumstances in different ways. We can't just pull one paper out of one file folder and stick it into another because it won't have the context or the time. So as you read through these uh, 17 books, and I do hope that you'll open up your Bible and, and scan through them for sure and take some time to read, particularly the minor prophets, which we tend to neglect quite often because they have some major things to say. So let's uh, talk about first the major prophets. Uh, there's the book of Isaiah, written, of course, by Isaiah. Isaiah lived pretty much in a peaceful and stable time in Israel, written about 700 B.C. Then there's Jeremiah, who wrote his book at the end of the kingdom. And Jeremiah is called the weeping prophet because the things he sees that are the destruction of the culture and ultimately of the city of Jerusalem and the temple. Uh, he has a lot of negative, negative things to say because the people have departed from God. He is a weeping prophet. Then there's Ezekiel. Ezekiel writes predominantly from the country of Persia or the city, the culture of Persia. He's, he's a captive, if you will, although he didn't have it all that bad. He was living there by uh, one of the rivers and many of the prophecies and all of the, the, the vision of the dry bones coming together and all the things that Ezekiel had to say were while he was in a foreign country, the country, the culture of Persia. Then there's Daniel, Daniel the dream interpreter. He lived in Babylon and Persia, served five different Persian kings, and God gave him dreams and interpretation of those dreams and visions. Certainly a lot of what he has to say come into play not only in the days of Jesus, but also in our day currently. Let's talk about the minor prophets for a moment and try to put them in their file folder, in their time, in their context as, as prophets. Uh, minor, again, simply because of the size of their writings, not because they're unimportant. Uh, we have some, some unique and different things in these minor prophets. For example, Hosea, as I've already mentioned, is, is really, the book is a word picture, uh, a true story. Hosea marries a prostitute. Her name was Gomer, and it was a picture of, of God and his people because God called Israel a harlot. He wanted them to stay in covenant with him, uh, their husband God. But Israel continued to wander after false lovers, just as Gomer did. Uh, God told them that they will be destroyed because of their lack of knowledge. And you might remember the, song, or the, the verse that they sowed the wind and reaped the whirlwind. Well, that was out of Hosea, and that is indeed what happened. There's the book of Joel, and Joel's a call to repentance for all people, people of the present day of Joel and of the future. It's interesting when the Holy Spirit came and birthed the church at Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, if you remember that, that time frame, uh, Peter reached back and pulled out a verse to preach the very first sermon to the very first church service there in Acts chapter 2. And he pulled it out of Joel chapter 2 uh, as he talked about the Holy Spirit coming and the latter rain and God pouring out his spirit upon a people in a new day. Well, God's continuing to pour out his spirit on us in these days. So the book of Joel is still prescient and important for us today. Amos the next book calls uh, the people, the kingdom of Judah and of Israel, to repent. But not only to those two kingdoms, God's people, Amos also reaches out to the people of Moab and Edom, Tyre, Amnon, and Gaza, and he calls for them to repent. Let justice roll like a river is one of the verses that, that repeats in the book of Amos because God wants everybody to come to justice and to truth. 
Obadiah. Obadiah is an interesting book because it's a prophecy not to the people of Israel, but to the people of Edom. You might remember the movies Indiana Jones and Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. If you remember the, some of those last scenes in that movie were filmed at Petra. And Petra is the place where Edom and these people that Obadiah was prophesying to lived. But God cared about Edom just like he cared about Israel. Jonah may have been the greatest evangelist ever for he preached to the city of Nineveh. He didn't want to. They were his enemies and he had a bad attitude about it all. So you, I'm pretty sure he wasn't excited. But nonetheless, when he preached, the Bible says that 120,000 souls who did not know their left hand from their right hand. Now, we don't know if that's children or if that's just simply people who didn't understand the truth that he was saying. Regardless, they repented and saved themselves from destruction. They turned to Jehovah God. It was the greatest revival ever by a, a unwilling evangelist, if you will, in Jonah. Then there's Micah, and Micah is just another in God's succession of faithful prophets telling Judah and Israel to repent or judgment could fall. Nahum comes next, and whereas Jonah's preaching and prophecy gave, brought great revival to Nineveh, sadly that revival had now gone by the wayside, and the people of Assyria and the city of Nineveh had returned to their wicked ways. So Nathan's word is that of a judgment that is coming upon Assyria, and indeed it did. There's the book of Habakkuk, the minor prophet number eight. And Habakkuk's, Habakkuk's letter is really a conversation. Habakkuk complains, God hears, and God answers. Ultimately, it's a reminder to all of us that uh, the righteous will live by faith. That's a powerful verse. It shows up again in the book of Romans. And if you've ever heard of a man by the name of Martin Luther, who basically founded the Protestant movement by uh, stepping out of Catholicism that he was involved in, that's the very verse that warmed his heart and brought him to salvation and his decision to step away. So that's book number eight. Then there's book number nine, uh, Zephaniah. And in Zephaniah, written during the reign of King Josiah, it was a, a good time for the, the nation of Judah. And Zephaniah talks about a God who sings over his children, one of the powerful verses in Zephaniah chapter 3. The last three, Haggai, Zechariah, and Malachi, were written after the fall of Jerusalem. The temple's gone, the city of Jerusalem is gone, and these three prophets are writing to inspire and instruct the children of Israel after the destruction of the temple. Haggai, for example, admonishes the people to resettle in Jerusalem, and most importantly, to finish the task of rebuilding the temple. Zechariah is loaded with prophecy. It tells of a coming king, one who will ride into the city of Jerusalem on a young donkey. It also says that a great king will be betrayed for 30 exact pieces of silver, that this Messiah king will be pierced, and also that Jerusalem will be the holy city of the great king. All of those prophecies came true with the coming of Jesus Christ, all foretold four to five hundred years beforehand by the prophet Zechariah. And lastly, there's a book of Malachi. Malachi is the last book in the Old Testament written 400 years before Jesus. And one of the things that Malachi speaks of is a coming Messiah who will make a distinction between the righteous and the wicked. 
Malachi's last words. In fact, the last words in the Old Testament are the segue or the connection to the New Testament because Malachi says that a prophet like Elijah will be, will be coming and he will usher in the revi- arrival of Messiah. Can you say John the Baptist with me? So the Old Testament ends with the prophecy of John's arrival. Interestingly, for the next 400 years, we don't hear any more prophecy or any more scriptural words from God until one day God sends his angel Gabriel, who stands at his right hand, Gabriel said, and he sends him to a priest in Jerusalem, a man by the name of Zechariah. The first words in the New Testament, the first inkling of God about to do something when God speaks to Gabriel and Gabriel speaks to Zechariah and he says to Zechariah that your barren wife is going to conceive a son and you are to name him John. Yes, John the Baptist. So the Old Testament is connected to the New Testament with the last book of Malachi. Now, just a couple of words if I could about God's plan for all the nations. For though the prophets that we read about uh, in the uh, Jewish Bible, if you will, all 17 of them, are speaking predominantly to the Jewish nation, they're not speaking exclusively to the Jewish nation. Notice that many of the prophets uh, do speak to sinful Israel and Judah, those kingdoms, but uh, also that they speak to so many other people because God cares about all people. The prophet speaks uh, to this fact uh, as he sends Jonah to speak to Nineveh, a city that that was going to destroy uh, Jerusalem or at least the northern kingdom, And, and yet God wants them to come to a righteous relationship with him. He also speaks to the people in Edom, which is on the other side of Israel in a foreign country. He speaks to the Philistines in Gaza. Uh, He speaks to those who live by the Nile in mighty Egypt. He speaks to the Persian Empire. Folks, he cares. Even today, he cares. He cares about New York City and Beijing, China. He cares about the Sioux Nation as they existed on the plains in North America. He cares about the Mayan culture down in South America. God's word and God's prophecy are to all people. He is not for one and against another. He is for everyone to come to him and to know him as father and to love him as the God that he exists as and as he shows himself. So that's part of the prophecy, is to speak to the entire world. Even today, God is continuing to speak forth prophecy through these very prophets to the world and letting us know that he loves all of us and that he has a plan, which we'll be looking at in the New Testament, a plan for salvation through a Messiah. So let's talk about, lastly, laying a foundation uh, for that Messiah. What are the goals and the objectives of the prophets? Well, number one, the the goal of the prophets was to uh, protect the people from judgment. Even though they were prophesying about judgment, their heart, their goal, their impetus was that the people might repent and be saved from death from real destruction and from genuine pain, from an uprooting of their lives from the cities and the homes where they were living, from the bad stuff that God wanted to stop but that was headed their way because of their evil practices. So the purpose of the prophets was to protect the people from judgment even as they were speaking to them about the possibility of it coming. Secondly, uh, it was about reestablishing the nation and rebuilding the temple of Israel and Jerusalem. 
That's important because that lays the foundation for the coming Messiah. And there has to be a Jerusalem. There has to be a holy city. There has to be a temple. And so many of the prophecies that we find in these last uh, 17 books of the Old Testament are speaking to the people of Israel, preparing, laying a foundation for the city to be rebuilt so that the Messiah entering the gates Lift up your gates, O ye people, and the Messiah is going to come in, as we'll see in the New Testament. And, and lastly, these the 17 different prophets, the major and the minor ones, uh, they establish the criteria for the Messiah. For example, Micah chapter 5 tells us the Messiah has to be born in Bethlehem, and that's 500 years before Jesus is born. Isaiah says he has to be born of a virgin. Jesus himself quotes Hosea 6.6, 6, that uh, <clears throat> the righteous will live by faith and that God wants all of us to know him. We have uh, Isaiah 6 quoted by Jesus also, where uh, Jesus comes and teaches them in parables, the very thing that Isaiah said the Messiah would do, teach in parables so that those who have ears can hear. Zechariah 9 says that the Messiah will ride in Jerusalem on a donkey. Daniel tells us about the abomination that causes desolation. Jesus quotes this verse, and of course, someday we're going to see that very thing take place, a prophecy yet to be fulfilled. Zechariah 11 talks about 30 pieces of silver, the exact amount which the Messiah would be betrayed by. So there are over 47 references just in the four Gospels from these 17 books of prophecy. Now, as you read through these books or as you scan through them and sort of put them in, your, in, your, in their proper place, don't be overwhelmed by them. There's some strange-sounding names, some odd actions, as I've already spoken about. But each one of them has a purpose. A purpose. They are serving the purpose and the plan of God. They speak to either a situation that was and has been fulfilled. Many of them still speak to us today about some things that have not yet taken place. But each prophet and their words, like a file, fit into God's filing cabinet. Of course, the big filing cabinet is the Bible. But there are still many things yet to be fulfilled because the case isn't totally closed. So we've talked a little bit about these 17 prophets. We've covered 17 books in the Bible. Now, next week, we're going to backtrack a little. We ended with 2 Chronicles a couple of weeks ago, and that ended the history in a sense. And now we've looked at the prophets and where they fit into these different places in the history of Israel and Judah. Next week, though, we're going to look at Ezra, Nehemiah, and Esther. And those three books have to do with the rebuilding of the temple, the rebuilding of the city of Jerusalem, getting things prepared for the ultimate coming of the Messiah. So in episode 16, we'll be talking about returning from Persia. And so I hope you can join me for that podcast, for that episode. Uh, thank you for being a part today. And thank you for taking time to let God's word uh, come alive for you as we piece together this simple journey to understand the Bible. Thank you very much. Thank you so much for listening to the 24-Minute Bible Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode and look forward to continuing this journey to understanding the Bible, please subscribe to the channel. And if you would be so kind, please share it with your friends who might enjoy it as well.
Join us next week with Mark Miner for another episode as we continue to explore how the Bible so beautifully fits together. May you have a blessed week and may God be glorified in your lives.